Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Bear. I love you too, Kura. This is episode 20 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about differences. If you could do everything all over again, what would you do differently? That's a pretty good question. Because I have a whole lifetime of regrets to to go, go over. My first would be, I would not have bought an American car that is so fickle about maintenance. One that the engine would burn out if you didn't if you weren't just right on the the oil changes exactly when when you had to, because of that, I don't buy American cars anymore. The other thing that I would have to change if, if I could do it all over again would be to not have gotten into the relationship with the man who raped me. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. What would you do differently? Probably would have left the relationship I was in before I met you a lot earlier. If that was the case, would you have met me? Maybe you would have met somebody else. No, no. And that's, you know, we kind of, we went through these, and originally I was going to say that uh, I, one thing I wish I would have changed was that, that I met you earlier in life, but then I don't think if, we would have the relationship that we do now if I met you when I was younger. And even if you were younger, I'm not, you know, I think, I don't think we would have gotten along. I, I think we were just two different people. And I mean, we're still very different now, but I. But yeah. we are very different now, but I, I think we have learned to tolerate differences now where mm. when we were younger, I don't know that we would have. No, and I agree with that 100%. I, I think I would have been too brash and obnoxious for you in an earlier age. Are you sure it's not still that way? Oh, no, no, definitely 100%. <laughs> you're just, you, just going to be more pass, uh, passive as you've gotten older, I guess. Okay. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Hmm, that's a really good one. I've been pondering that for a while. There's so much good advice that I've been given throughout my life. I, there's really just not one that stands out. I, I think, um, you know, I've gone on well, and on. T- about, tell them all. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I've gone on before and talked about, you know, just being kind and stuff like that. Um, Who told you that? Oh, gosh, I don't even know. Exactly. I think that was just something I kind of came up with on my own. I mean, you know, uh, some of the best advice I've ever gotten is, you know, things um, will get better. You know, like I told you, dinner tonight, you know, we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of me losing my leg. You guys are probably all tired of hearing about me being a blow in the amputee. But when I did lose my leg ago, uh, I basically this Sunday, uh, it'll be 10 years that I lost my leg. And I remember my mom coming in through from New Jersey, sitting in the hospital, you know, it was devastating. And my mom going, you're going to look back at this in a few years, and it's just going to be another bump in the road. And she was right. But when she saw, when she told me that, 
I must have looked at her like she was nuts. I was like, well, what are you, you're crazy. But she was definitely right. It just, thing, things change, time moves on. One thing I tell everybody is you're stronger than you think you are. Another piece of advice, probably. Tell the people, tell the people who you love that you love them all the time. Don't, you know, uh, I make it a point when me and you get into an argument, I never try to leave the house angry without saying I love you first. Because I don't know if something would happen if, in the time that I don't see you again. And I don't know if I'd be able to live with that regret. So, sorry for the rambling. Life can be full of unexpected things. What was the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? I would say back in the days when I ran the game information line and I belonged to the local AIDS network, a person, I, I, won't, I won't say his name, but the advice he gave me was do the best you can with what you have where you are at. It's it's very simple. It's good advice to um, prevent regrets. Yeah, that's good advice. At, at least you can good. always say, you know, I did the best I could. Mm -hmm. That's good advice, though. You have anything else to add to that, or is that it? Or? Uh, that's probably the best one that I can think of. Oh, okay, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a like I said, it's a difficult question because there's you, you learn so much throughout life, you know, and advice one thing's just not universal i guess all right what movie have you seen that you wish could be your life that would be a movie called limitless are you familiar with it uh did they make that into a tv show yes okay yeah i'm familiar with it the, the movie was with bradley cooper mm -hmm. uh the tv series was with a different guy who i can't remember but the series was about as good as the movie. If if I could be Bradley Cooper's character in that movie, that would be that would be nice to have the capacity to use every part of your your potential. That would be a life changing thing. Oh, of course. How about you? What what movie would you wish could be your life? The day after. The day after. I'm joking. That's it's a post. It's basically it was a made for TV movie that came out in the '80s. I think part of it was filmed in Lawrence, Kansas. It's the day after the nuclear war. Basically, World War Three starts. Oh yes, I remember <laughs> now. No, I thought about this too quite a bit. I think it would be cool to be Forrest Gump. <laughs> Just if you were Forrest Gump, you mean? Uh, yeah, I mean. You know, but you to, know, to have met all those famous people, yeah, and, and being in all those that. situations. I mean, there's some sad moments, there's really good moments. But you know, at first I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to be in Star Wars. But then if you think about it, no way. <laughs> Most of those people are struggling to live and get by because of the Empire. No, I think Forrest Gump would be pretty good. Um, Life is like what? A box of chocolates. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I get to make you laugh. <laughs> what are your hobbies? What what hobbies do you want to try? I I enjoy drawing and sketching and illustrating. Um, I game not a lot, but I game occasionally. Maybe a few hours every few weeks. Uh, I enjoy reading. I don't know if I've had this itch 
to learn how to knit. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I don't know if I'd ever do it, especially with four cats living in the house. But I think that would be pretty cool. And then I think I would like to pick up painting figurines. But you know how I am. I, you know, I pick up a hobby and when I get into it, I'm full bore. I think you make fun of me because I have thousands of markers for when I color and stuff like that. And so it's my hobbies turned into be quite expensive hobbies. Where did you get these ideas from? I don't know. I, I think I just I've seen people on uh, friends of mine who started knitting and cross stitching and stuff like that on Facebook. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to, I don't know, maybe uh, Tim Daly when he was knitting his uh, sweater during the Olympics. I just think it'd be kind of cool. I don't know why. I, I don't know. Creating something. And it's not that expensive to start that, I guess. True. And you could. It was something to keep your hands busy while you were watching TV or exactly. something. Exactly, yeah. I mean, do you have anything that you think I would enjoy? Um, You're afraid to say it. <laughs> the, you have so many hobbies already. I Selfishly, I, I'm, I'm afraid to <laughs> give you any ideas. Well, you know, it was about a year and a half ago, I... I Looked into getting back into rowing and just haven't really done that. But I think that'd be kind of cool to get back into that. That doesn't sound like a hobby. That sounds like a, that sounds like exercise. Well, yeah, it is, but it's, it's fun exercise, but yeah. Okay. Says you. <laughs> hey, you, you could get out there with me. I could. And you won't. <laughs> Cor- correct. Well, you don't have to worry about drowning in the river around here. You can stand up in it. I see, yeah, yeah. So how about yourself? Are you, do you have any hobbies or things that you like to get into? This is going to sound weird to people who don't know me, but I like desktop publishing. Um, this house is full of little signs and things that I've made that I've laminated. Yes, magnets on <laughs> Every cabinet and every refrigerator or every metal surface has desktop publishing projects that I've done. I'm not any good at singing, writing music, uh, drawing, anything like that. But desktop publishing is, I can pick and choose bits and pieces and put them together. And I suppose that is an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you're creating things. You're good at it too. You're very good at it. But yeah, you you kind of started doing that just like out of the blue, and it was next thing you know, our whole house was inundated with signs and laminated things. And well, it started because my mother gave us a kit for scrapbooking. That's right. I think she gave it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm I'm the one that's really taken that over. Yeah, you have. It's an outlet, I, I suppose, for somebody who can't draw. <laughs> I mean, you're not as bad as you think you are, though. I mean, and you did the, you were doing the stones. I thought that, I thought you enjoyed that, but I thought it was really neat that you were actually putting them in the park and then you made a. Oh, okay. Well, let's, okay. Sorry. Let's go back to the beginning on that. I, I was, I had some, I bought some white stones. 
Um, they're like washed beach rock type things. And I, um, we, we had a, a kit of different colored paints, acrylic paints, I think. Mm -hmm. I made a barcode and and printed it out and I would put it on the back of the, the stones and, and I would paint the stones and not with words, but whatever, whatever the stone (laughs) talked to me. And then, you know, glued the barcodes on the back and left them in the park where I, where I like to walk. And people would pick them up and they'd scan the barcode and it would say, you know, tell me that you got this. But it was, it got to be kind of a burden to do. I think you originally bought the whole kit from me at first. And then. Could be. You jumped into it and if anyone needs a whole bag of uh, white river rocks, we have some at you. (laughs) And still some paint (laughs) left. Still some paint left. No, but it was neat seeing the, I think it was a young lady with a little boy that was going to the park, and, and she said that he enjoyed picking those up and all that. So I thought that was pretty neat. There seems to be a whole, like, hobby industry of doing this. Hmm. I sort of added the barcode thing because, kind of like this podcast where we we just sort of shout out into the abyss and don't know who's who hears it. Uh, at least with the barcodes, if somebody did this to, to scan them and said something, at least I knew, I knew, you know, I had some idea that somebody was getting them and yeah. and, and liked it. Mm-hmm. But it it was a lot of work trying to figure out how to paint them and printing the barcodes and gluing them on and then putting a clear coat over them so they wouldn't just fall off and. There's a lot. Of, it was a process, a lot of steps. It, yeah, and it just got to be a burden. So, the desktop publishing is is more fun, I think. What makes you angry? Well, we've sort of covered this in the past in different ways, but when you boil it down, what makes me angry is selfish people. Agreed, one hundred percent. Selfish and inconsiderate people. Whether they're blaring their music too loud or driving way too fast or parking in handicapped spots. People are just, people can be terrible. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I just notice it more, but that seems to be, when you boil it down, r- really selfish people is my, my the thing that makes me the most angry. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was, my answer to the question was, where do I start? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's like what I was, we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Be kind. It's not that hard. And that's what I guess really upsets both of us is when people are just so selfish about all their actions and stuff. And there's times where I'm willing to overlook it. You don't know what kind of day they're having when you see people day in, day out from the business that I work at. They're parked in the handicapped spots all the time. And then, you know, the position that I'm in, it really infuriates me when I see these, you know, 20-year-old kid hop out of a car, and then you ask them to move their car, and they're acting like you're inconveniencing them when, (laughs) because they're lazy, so. And people seem like they're entitled to be selfish. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, 
their God-given right to be that way. Yeah. And I wish there was a way to bring some of those people back down. Yeah. No, I agree with that also. Do you welcome new technology or does it scare you? I just go with the flow. Uh, I do like new technology. Most of the time it's there to, to help make things easier. I don't jump into it full bore. Like I know it upsets you with uh, the di- the diabetes, app, diabetes apps that are out there and then the pens that you can buy and, you know, you're all up on that. I mean, you, you show our endocrinologist the newest and latest stuff, so I don't get that far into it. But, uh, and, you know, if it's a good tool uh, and, you know, easy to use, stuff like that, it'll benefit. I like that stuff. I'm just too lazy to do it. Um, but, no, I welcome it. I don't see a problem with it. How about you? I know you were going to... Well, you like video games, too, and that's definitely technology. Mm-hmm. When you were born, those kind of things didn't even exist. No. So you you don't seem to be afraid of it. No, no. But yes, uh, you I, I don't you don't take full advantage of technology the way I do. No, yeah, you. I mean, you grab it by the horns, run with it. Whereas I'm just like, oh, okay. If I get to it, I get to it. <laughs> well, like the the pin, the 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 insulin pin that I have, it's tied to an app. Uh, with Bluetooth, and every time I take my insulin, it records how much I took. And I can also take a blood glucose reading, plug it into the app, and it knows how much insulin I have in me. And based on that blood sugar, it will tell me exactly how much insulin I need to take. Mm -hmm. It rather bugs me that a doctor will say, well, take about 30 units after your meals. And if you, if it, your blood sugar goes high, take more. And if it, if it's low, take less. It all seems very imprecise to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really love that app that it knows how much insulin I have and, and how much I need. And it will give me, uh, It'll tell me exactly how much to take, and most of the time it works really well. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't utilize it fully, so, and, you know, that's good. Um, but I think if you had that pen, you, you wouldn't use it at all. No, no, it just you should just go outside and throw $300 out the door. Right? <laughs> so. Well, even when we started having, we, we got the sensors that you inject, you, you put in your arm and it gives you it continuously monitors your blood sugar and when i was using them i would i would take like 20 readings a day and i'd plug them into my app and it would tell me how much you would take like three readings a day i would do about five to six a day which is just like testing your blood sugar so i'm the normal human being you're just (laughs) over the top obsessive compulsive (laughs) Uh, I, I guess I trust the technology more than you do. But you're not... Because you're untrusting doesn't mean it scares you. No, no, no. Now, I also... We have lots of smart home devices. So, you know, the I've programmed lights to come on and off and, and we can give verbal commands. I think I embrace that technology a lot more than most people do. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, think, I, I tell people that I think we have like over 100 devices in our house hooked up to them, and people's jaws literally hit the floor. They, they, they can't believe it. So, m- most it is, people, if they have any smart home, they might have one lamp somewhere that yeah, comes on and off. No, but like we've covered in previous episodes, you know, I do enjoy it. It makes it, you know, makes it a lot easier if I have my prosthetic off and I have to get up in the middle of the night to turn the light on instead of going to the light, turn the light switch on. All of that, it does make it a lot easier. I have headphones that are connected to Alexa. And when I'm out going for a walk, I listen to the music and I can say, you know, I I can ask it, what time is it? How long have I been walking? What's my pace? If I think of something that I need to do, and that happens a lot, I will say, put whatever it is on my to-do list list. and it will email it to me. Oh, my shopping list is like that too. Yeah. I just think that's fantastic. Oh, it's very useful. It's very helpful too. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I mean, it is great. And I think Google Maps helps me out quite a bit because I'm, I'm I get lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I've I've never been very good at navigating. No. And, and it knows where I am and where I need to go and will will help me get there. Yeah. I am definitely not scared of technology. I I am willing to use it and actively use it. No, yeah, I agree. I keep saying I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Are you persistent in the face of obstacles? I am, but I'm not stupid about it. If I see, you know, that my efforts aren't coming to fruition, I'm not going to just keep banging my head against the wall trying to make things happen when when they're not. I think a lot of people think that persistence is, is quite a virtue, and I, I think some of that can be <laughs> stupidity. Well, yeah, there's a definitely a line that needs, you need to be aware of where it'll, your persistence can turn into obsession. Obsession, that's a good good term for it. See, I'm not the stupid jock like everyone probably thinks. <laughs> are you persistent? I, I think believe, you are. I believe so. Almost a, almost to a fault sometimes, I think. I'm stubborn. But no, I, believe, I think I am. I mean, just if I want to get it, I'm, I'm going to do it. I think that's part of being an athlete growing up. Work for it. You're going to, you know, get it. But then there's, I mean, then there's stuff that, I don't know, I'm persistent in a different way. There's, there's, some people are motivated by money. I'm not. I mean, I, I would enjoy more money, but it's not the be-all, end-all for me. There's, there's a lot of things, obviously, that I had overcome in life. You know, so you need to be persistent to, to, to do that. You know, like, again, once again, it's like when I lost my leg, they wanted me to walk her for six weeks. When I first lost my leg, and I think I used my walker. I got my prosthetic on Friday. I used my walker up until Sunday, and then I stopped. I was being persistent there because I wanted to walk properly, and I didn't want to use it as a tool that could possibly hinder me or maybe even hurt me in the future. You know, I'm very proud of my gait, and, you know, a lot of that takes persistence to get through something like that. So That's very true. Um- People, when you're wearing 
long pants, you're, you're not wearing shorts, and people can't see your prosthetic, most people wouldn't even know that you have one. Mm-hmm. You don't walk awkwardly at all. Yeah, and I take a lot of pride in that. You know, I really do. That probably has to do with the fact that you grew up, your grandfather had a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. And he was very, talking to my mom, he he wanted to make sure that he had a proper gait also. And so my mom was real tough with me on that. And I remember the year that I did lose my leg, she came back in August around my birthday. And I picked her up in the airport and, you know, you can't go past security. So she comes out security and she goes, okay, stop. And she tells the story. She basically, she made me walk like 30 feet ahead of her so she could watch me walk. And she said, all these people in Kansas are looking at this Jersey broad. Like, why is she checking out this young guy <laughs> walking away from her? So they thought you, she was looking at your ass. Yeah, and I don't have one either. So. <laughs> I'm not going to make any comments about that. <laughs> no, no, not one. Do you have difficulty making decisions? I know what you're going to say. At work, I don't have an, a problem making decisions whatsoever. I, but personally, yes. I, I, I hem-haw around about it, trying to figure out what's for dinner, stuff like that. And I think that just comes down because I want to make you happy. And, you know, stuff. So, but yeah, I, yeah, like things. The, the thing that makes me roll my eyes the most is when the waiter asks you what you want to order. Mm-hmm. When we're at a restaurant, oh, and the waiter says, "What do you want?" It's mm. it's 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 uh, what's the proper? It's a to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an easy. Pre- well, I warned them, and, and then you'll 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 blurt out something, and then you'll change your mind at the last second and, and order something entirely different. And they get tipped well though. So <laughs> true. So, but you know, I mean, if they can fix it and do it the way I want it, then I'm going to have them do it. But it is bad to the point where I, I go to McDonald's and I need two scrambled eggs, four pieces of sausage. <laughs> this, this, and this. So, yeah. Well, at least there, you know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have difficulty making decisions? I don't believe I do. I have a very logical mind. I weigh the different aspects of the decision, and some some things are more important than others. I sort of like put it into an equation, and I I come up with a good decision. It may not be the right decision, but you know, for the time, for the information I have, and I guess once again, I do the best I can with what I have where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I. Don't have difficulty making decisions. No, no. I, I, yeah, I, if this came down to who's worse at what, I'd definitely be the worst at that. So, Well, as we've said over and over and over and over again, we are completely different. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely one way that we are completely different. Yeah, but that's what makes us so charming. Yes. <laughs> what activity makes you feel the most joyful when you're doing it? These days... Doing this podcast. Yeah. It is a joyful experience. Sort of like going to therapy, but free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think we've learned a, quite a bit of things from each other, too. Just, you know, like just 
from our surprise answers to each other. You know, uh, like, you know, I've said things in the past episodes that you've never, you're like, oh, wow, I've never experienced. I've never expected that because these aren't questions that couples just sit around and discuss. You know, we. That's very true. I hadn't thought about that. It's not like we're speed dating and, you know, it's, uh, we've been together. Gosh, I'll be, we'll be married seven years, May 30th. I always love to learn new things, and learning new things about you is fascinating. Well, I hope so. <laughs> and you probably learn a thing or two from me. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a two way two way road. I, I know that there are things that I have mentioned here in the podcast that uh, would never come up in casual conversation that people don't know anything about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe your relatives and mine have both said that they have learned things about us that they... Well, it's like uh, I was stuck to my sister last night, and I was asking her if she's been listening to it. And uh, she responded that she binged three episodes the other day, and that she loves listening to it because she's getting to know you. You know, she lives in Florida with her family. She's got her hands full. She's got three kids. We live here in Kansas, and... She was here for the wedding, and then you spent time with her like, two years later on our vacation in New Jersey. And other than that, she hasn't had time to, we haven't had time to visit with each other. So she really doesn't know you that well, but she's getting to know you this way. And I, and I think that that motivates me to do it more. Uh, and I think that's really cool that, you know, she's getting to know her brother-in-law. I'm, I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah. She, she, like I said to you too, she can't believe that we actually can talk about things for 30 to 40 minutes either. And I'm like, it's not that hard. It just goes by relatively quickly. Well, it's not that hard for you. No, yeah, like for I me, said all the time, I just get on here and talk. You do all the work. Well, no, I mean, talking, talking isn't something that I'm very good at. Mm-hmm. I'm a better listener mm-hmm. than, than a talker. Well, I mean, you also grew up in an environment with your with your family where yeah, I could never get a word. The hens, twice the, ran, the, the hens ran the the hen house. <laughs> and you can't. Are you creative? I think so. I do, uh, just because the artwork that I do. But also, I don't think I'm as creative. I don't know. I can be creative. You know, my art. I I'll go fits and spurts with the art that I do. Because I have to be in the mood, but once I get down to it, I you know I can be really creative when I want to be. Do you think you're creative? Well, as I said before, I'm not an artist or a mu- musician, but I do find ways to have a creative expression, mm-hmm. and I, I guess that's really the best I could do. When you have no talent. You have to have other ways of having creative outlets, I suppose. Yeah. I can't draw flies. Let alone draw pictures. <laughs> My grandmother taught me to play piano, but I wasn't very good at it. I do play drums. My mother gave us a, an electric drum set, and I play them. But that's mainly to get my frustrations out, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes I will play those drums really loud or <laughs> hit them really hard. Yeah. That 
Uh, yeah, I don't think that's creation. That, that's just... That's chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Describe an instance where your ethics were tested. Don't say when you married me. <laughs> <laughs> I At one time, I worked in the insurance industry. And they had me write some software that would create an Excel spreadsheet with checkboxes for their employees to, it was, it was basically a checklist of how to get out of paying claims. That's ridiculous. People who had insurance claims, if it met a certain amount of money, I mean, I mean, if it exceeded a certain amount of money, this checklist would, would come out and, and they would find a way to deny the claim. Yes. That's ridiculous. It was so unethical. I remember when when you got assigned that, you were really, really upset. I mean, you were really, really upset about that, and I can understand that completely. It just shows how wrong our healthcare system is still. So, Yeah, healthcare should not be like that. I didn't like it, but I did do it just so that I could have an income. So that that was probably the most questionable ethical thing that I have ever dealt with. Hmm. What about you? Um. Okay, I I think I told you this story before. Growing up, I always wanted to be well. I wanted to be a police officer like my father. I wanted to get a degree in criminal justice. What I did, and you know, I did get a degree in criminal justice, and then I wanted to move on to the Secret Service. Blah blah blah. That will never none of that ever panned out. But I did apply for for Wichita PD uh, my senior year in college. They put me on a fast lane to get into the academy. Well, you have to do all these different tests and physicals. And then the last one of the last steps is before you get accepted into the academy, you have to go on an oral board. Well, this was back when it was Bill Clinton's crime bill that went through. And this was going to be the last class to go through on the Fed's uh, dime. So they had uh, higher standards for who they were accepting and willing to put through the academy. Well, during the oral oral boards, um, there was three older white detectives. I'm talking like close to uh, retirement age. And a question came up, and it was about race and ethnicity. And basically, one of the detectives that was doing the interview was a racist. And... I called him out on it. First, he tried to point, pin me in a corner and paint me as someone that I'm not. And I called him out on it, and he proceeded to never write down another note for the next hour and a half during our oral board. So I failed the oral board by one point. And uh, for me to reapply, I had to wait a year. Well, at the time, I was taking class with Chief Watson, who was the obviously the chief of the WPD, and he... Uh, he asked me if I was going to reapply again. I said, absolutely not. And I mean, this was, you know, I wanted to be a cop, go to Secret Service. This is something that I wanted to do all my life. And uh, I told him I'm not going to do it. And he couldn't understand why. And I said, well, you've had these three gentlemen making decisions on who's going to be the future of your organization. And I don't want to be a part of that organization if these gentlemen have been making these decisions for you for the past two, three years. That's sorry about the long story, but yeah. So basically, 
they only the racists were were were, yeah. were passing. He, he was a racist. I called him out on it. He he basically was he, he's probably one of the cops that gives good cops bad names. But I I stood my ground and I wasn't going to let him bully it. But yeah, you know, it changed it changed my future. It really did. One guy. But I, you know, I just couldn't see me doing that. I wasn't going to change my ethics, my beliefs for a bigot. So and, and you didn't want to work with people who they did approve because those weren't the kind of people that you wanted to, no, to work with. I would have been the odd man out. And then also at that time in my life, I was still closeted. It wasn't as easy as it is now to come out. It wasn't as socially acceptable. It was in the mid-90s, late, late to mid-90s. Don't ask, don't tell. It was in the military. So, yeah, it's... Uh, well, and I can imagine that if you had gotten in and then wanted to come out and, and, and knew that the atmosphere would be so toxic to somebody who came out, that would have just forced you in the closet so much longer. Oh, yeah, and I mean, even miserable. a year later, it was when I... I finally decided to act on my feelings, and my fraternity brothers completely flipped on me. I, you know, I, I get to the, I was the president of the fraternity, and I get to, we had our basements, our meeting in the basements, and uh, I go down there, and they spray painted on the wall, Bill, please don't be a faggot, uh, because of now, my now ex, there was rumors that he was gay, and we were spending a lot of time together, and, and I resigned, uh, one of the, See other guys in the house, uh, all the older guys in the house that I actually joined with, pretty much disowned me. Some of them come back around, but the younger guys that were in the house that I was, you know, they were accepting. But yeah, I mean that was tough too. I mean they were they were my family. Shit on them. That's their their ignorance and all. So I didn't need them in my life anyway. It was their loss. So the ones that are truly good people, I still keep in contact with, and I love them like brothers. The other ones can go. Sit on a pole or... Well, and you're lucky that you you took that stand because, you know, you could have tried to blend in and hide and whatever, and it just would have made you miserable. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, and I'm, I'm, you know I don't regret any of those decisions that I made, you know, because I was going to go do the, the, you know, get married, have kids, blah, 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 be in the closet, and that wouldn't have been fair to, you know, the woman that I married, wouldn't have been fair to the kids. Because I wasn't being my honest, true self. And so I, I, I came out to my mom when I was 34. So, and I was with my ex for nine years before that. And, you know, she knew, but yeah, sorry for the long story, guys. Hmm. So, uh, I think, uh, uh, let me go on. Oh, sure. Our, our experiences are what make us what we are mm -hmm. and you're a highly ethical person and i'm i'm sure that that's because of those experiences that you had yeah and it's you know i, I it's you know even in the you know the stuff i do now I, I i have a really hard time when people come in and with stolen merchandise and people are probably thinking well how do you know it's stolen well when you see it you ask someone how you know how far they drove that ball, you know, when they have golf clubs, and they look at you like you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, then you know those 
$1,000 golf clubs aren't their golf clubs. So, yeah, I have a hard time. I understand people go through hard times, but I don't want your stolen merchandise. You make it, people who steal make it harder for honest people to pay for things honestly. So, we're at your favorite time of the week. What is the joke right now? Do you know how I want to die? I don't know if I like this subject. (laughs) How? I want to die peacefully in my sleep like my grandfather. Okay. Not screaming in terror like the passenger in his car. Oh, gee. <laughs> that was a really good one. I like that. It's not nece- It's not true. Uh, my grandfather didn't die that way, but uh, that's the way I tell the joke. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going a really down, dark, sad way of a joke. Yeah, you got me on that one really well. <laughs> so, well, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. This is Kura. And this is Bear. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.